I was here in 2000. I was strongly in favor of Al Gore for president. And my candidate got more votes than the other candidate. His name was George Bush, of course. And one of the saddest days was January 20th of 2001, when uh, our candidate, who won the election in my view, was not elected. But it was also one of the proudest moments of my career, because the greatest power on earth passed peacefully from Bill Clinton to George W. Bush. Not a shot was fired. Nobody assaulted this caucus, or this Congress, or this chamber. Because we were not disappointed? No. Because we were not angry? No. Because we believe in democracy. We believe in we the people. And the way the people, one of the speakers, I think it was the senator from Texas, expressed, we're here for the people. If those were the people, we're in a lot of trouble. Our electoral system, our democratic system, however, did not break under the strains of the misinformation the claims of fraud, which court after court after court have dismissed out of hand. Not because there was a little evidence, because there was no evidence. That's why we're the longest lasting constitutional democracy in the world. I hope all of us in this body are proud of that and understand why that's the case. Because as Dick Gephardt said on this floor many years ago, democracy is a substitute for war to resolve differences. It proved once more the ever-beating strong heart that gives life to our republic and our freedoms. That strength, Madam Speaker, is derived in part from our institution and our laws. But most importantly, it is powered by citizens and leaders' commitment to our Constitution, not just us, we swear an oath, but it's all of America. Barack Obama spoke from that chamber and he said, uh, I'm going to be taking another title next year, citizen. And he was proud to take that. And every citizen needs to protect, preserve, and uplift our democracy. Some today did not do that. Many today. 68 years ago in Springfield, Illinois, Governor Adlai Stevenson gracefully conceded his loss to General Dwight Eisenhower. He said this, in traditionally, it is traditionally American, he told his deeply disappointed supporters, to fight hard before an election. But then he added, it is equally traditional to close ranks as soon as the people have spoken, not the Congress, not the lectors, the people have spoken. That which unites us as American citizens is far greater than that which divides us 
as political parties. It was another man from Springfield, four score and eight years earlier, who won re-election to the presidency in a national crisis that tested our country and its democratic institutions, who pleaded even in his hour of victory for the same spirit of reconciliation. That was the party of Lincoln. That hasn't happened to this hour. Lincoln said, now that the election is over, uh, he asked, may not all, having a common... To the men and women of the Capitol Hill Police, the armed, uh, the National Guardsmen, the Metropolitan Police, and others who came to this Capitol, who put their lives on the line to protect everyone here working inside of it. And I want to thank law enforcement all across this country, in my home state of Missouri and everywhere else who do that day in and day out. And I just want to acknowledge that when it comes to violence, this has been a terrible year in America this last year. We've seen a lot of violence against law enforcement, and today we saw it here in the capital of the United States. And in this country, in the United States of America, we cannot say emphatically enough, violence is not how you achieve change. Violence is not how you achieve something better. Our Constitution was built and put into place so that there would be, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, no appeal from ballots to bullets, which is what we saw, unfortunately, attempted tonight. There is no place for that in the United States of America. And that's why I submit to my colleagues that what we're doing here tonight is actually very important. Because for those who have concerns about the integrity of our elections, those who have concerns about what happened in November, this is the appropriate means. This is the lawful place where those objections and concerns should be heard. This is the forum that the law provides for, our laws provide for, for those concerns to be registered. Not through violence, not by appealing from ballots to bullets, but here in this lawful process. And so to those who say that this is just a formality today, an antique ceremony that we've engaged in for a couple of hundred years, I can't say that I agree. I can't say that our precedents suggest that. I actually think it's very vital what we do. The opportunity to be heard, to register objections is very vital because this is the place where those objections are to be heard and dealt with, debated, and finally resolved in this lawful means, peacefully, without violence, without attacks, without bullets. And so, Mr. President, let me just say now briefly, in lieu of speaking about it later, a word about Pennsylvania, which is a state that I have been focused on, objected to, as an example of why people are concerned, millions of Americans concerned about our election integrity. The state of Pennsylvania, quite apart from allegations of any fraud, you have a state constitution that has been interpreted for over a century to say that there is no mail-in balloting permitted except for in very narrow circumstances that's also provided for in the law. And yet, last year, Pennsylvania elected officials passed a whole new law that allows universal mail-in balloting and did it irregardless of what the Pennsylvania Constitution said. And then when Pennsylvania citizens tried to go and be heard on this subject before the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, they were dismissed on grounds of procedure, timeliness, in violation of that Supreme Court's own precedent. So the merits of the case have never been heard. 
The constitutionality of the statute actually has never been defended. I'm not aware of any court that has passed on its constitutionality. Actually, I'm not aware of anybody who's defended the constitutionality. And this was what this was the statute that governed this last election, in which there are over 2.5 million mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania. This is my point, that this is the forum. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court hasn't heard the case. There's no other court to go to to hear the case in the state. And so this is the appropriate place for these concerns to be raised, which is why I have raised them here today. And I hope that this body will not miss the opportunity to take affirmative action to address the concerns of so many millions of Americans, to say to millions of Americans tonight that violence is never warranted, that violence will not be tolerated, that those who engage in it will be prosecuted, but that this body will act to address the concerns of all Americans across the country. We do need an investigation into irregularities, fraud. We do need a way forward together. We need election security reforms. I bet my friends on the other side of the aisle don't disagree with that. We need to find a way to move forward on that together so that the American people from both parties, all walks of life, can have confidence in their elections and that we can arrange ourselves under the rule of law that we share together. Thank you, Mr. President. I yield the floor. Democratic leader. Senator from Pennsylvania, Mr. Casey. Senator from Pennsylvania. I rise tonight to defend the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, to defend the more than 6.9 million voters who voted in this election, and to condemn in the strongest possible terms this attempt to disenfranchise the voters of Pennsylvania based upon a lie, a falsehood. That same lie sowed the seeds of today's violence and today's lawlessness here in the Capitol. One of my constituents, Susan from the Lehigh Valley, the community of our state where Senator Toomey lives, recently wrote to my office and perhaps said it best. She said, and I quote, we cannot allow anybody to overturn the legal votes of the citizens of Pennsylvania. This would be the ultimate destruction of our democracy, unquote. Susan had it right. We cannot allow anybody, and she put that word in all caps, to overturn the legal votes of the people of our state. Let me address the allegation regarding the Pennsylvania Constitution in the General Assembly. Somehow that the General Assembly didn't have the authority to enact no excuse mail-in voting, that process for the people of our state. First, the law in question, Act 77, was passed in 2019 and was implemented without any serious question as to its constitutionality. The law was passed by a Republican-controlled General Assembly, House and Senate. It was only after the 2020 election, when it became clear that President-elect Joe Biden won Pennsylvania by a little more than 80,000 votes, did some Republican politicians in our state decide to challenge the constitutionality of the law. Second, Act 77 is plainly constitutional. My colleagues allege that the state constitution requires in-person voting except under limited circumstances. This is not true. While Pennsylvania lays out specific situations in which absentee voting is required, 
there is no in-person requirement in our state's constitution. The constitution set a, f a floor, not a ceiling, for this type of voting. Second, apart from the argument made by my colleague, there's bipartisan agreement across our state at the local, state, and federal level that our election was fair, secure, and lawful. On Monday, my colleague from Pennsylvania, Senator Toomey, wrote in an op-ed, and I'm quoting, the evidence is overwhelming that Joe Biden won this election, unquote. There's simply no evidence to justify the outrageous claims of widespread voter fraud or election irregularities suggesting, suggested by those seeking to overturn the election. Sixty cases, court after court, all throughout our state and throughout the country, including the Supreme Court, dealing with this bizarre argument that we know is based upon that lie. In one court, the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit, Judge Bibas, appointed by President Trump, he said, quote, the campaign's claims have no merit, unquote. The United States, he said, has free and fair elections, which are the lifeblood of our democracy. Charges require specific allegations and then proof. We have neither here, unquote. So said Judge Bibas. Finally, Mr. President, a word about those election officials who did such work. These election officials all across our state, Republicans and Democrats, from red counties and blue counties, they did their jobs. They are patriots. And these objections are an attack on these Pennsylvania public servants. I'll give you one example. Republican Commissioner Al Smith, Al Schmidt, I should say, of Philadelphia. He wrote, and I said, and, and he wrote, as I, I will quote, as follows. Quote, there really should not be a disagreement, regardless of party affiliation, when we're talking about counting votes by eligible voters. It's not a very controversial thing, or at least it shouldn't be, unquote. After Election Day, Commissioner Al Schmidt, his family and his colleagues were subjected to death threats simply because he was trying to do his job with integrity. It calls to mind, Mr. President, that great line from America the Beautiful, a beautiful for patriot dream that sees beyond the years. These election officials, like so many of our patriots, we heard from Senator Duckworth tonight, a real patriot. These patriots did their job. Let's support these patriots vote against this objection. Mr. I yield Security Leader. I yield five minutes to the Senator from Utah, Senator Romney. Senator from Utah. Mr. President, today was heartbreaking, and, uh, and I was shaken to the core as I thought about the people I met in China and Russia and Afghanistan and Iraq and other places who yearn for freedom and who look to this building and these shores as a place of hope. And I saw the images being broadcast around the world, and it breaks my heart. I have 25 grandchildren. Many of them were watching TV, thinking about this building, whether their grandpa was okay. I knew I was okay. I must tell you as well, I was proud to serve with these men and women. This is an extraordinary group of people. I'm proud to be a member of the United States Senate and meet with people of integrity 
as we do here today. Now we gather due to a selfish man's injured pride and the outrage of supporters who he has deliberately misinformed for the past two months and stirred to action this very morning. What happened here today was an insurrection incited by the President of the United States. Those who choose to continue to support his dangerous gambit by objecting to the results of a legitimate democratic election will forever be seen as being complicit in an unprecedented attack against our democracy. Fairly or not, they'll be remembered for their role in this shameful episode in American history. That will be their legacy. I salute Senator Langford and Leffler and Braun and Danes, and I'm sure others, who in the light of today's outrage have withdrawn their objection. For any who remain insistent on an audit in order to satisfy the many people who believe that the election was stolen, I'd offer this perspective. No congressional audit is ever going to convince these voters, particularly when the president will continue to say that the election was stolen. The best way we can show respect for the voters who were upset is by telling them the truth. That's the burden. That's the duty of leadership. The truth is that President-elect Biden won the election. President Trump lost. I've had that experience myself. It's no fun. <laughs> Scores of courts, the president's own attorney general, state election officials, both Republican and Democrat, have reached that unequivocal decision. And in light of today's sad circumstances, I ask my colleague, do we weigh our own political fortunes more heavily than we weigh the strength of our republic, the strength of our democracy, and the cause of freedom? What's the weight of personal acclaim compared to the weight of conscience? Leader McConnell said that the vote today is the most important in his 36 years of public service. Think of that. Authorizing two wars, voting on two impeachments. He said that not because the vote reveals something about the election, it's because this vote reveals something about us. I urge my colleagues to move forward with completing the electoral count, to refrain from further objections, and to unanimously affirm the legitimacy of the presidential election. Thank you, Mr. President. Democratic leader. Senator from New Hampshire, Senator Shaheen. Senator from New Hampshire. Mr. President, on January 3rd, I, along with 31 of my colleagues, stood in this chamber and swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. It's both ironic and deeply disappointing that only three days after swearing these oaths, some of my colleagues are willfully coming close to breaking this promise. Since 1797, each U.S. president has peacefully handed over power to the next. And that will happen again on January 20th, when Donald Trump, despite 
the protesters today, the violence today, when Donald Trump leaves the White House at noon and Joe Biden becomes president. And we've heard tonight from both Democrats and Republicans about the importance of the voters speaking in the election and about the fact that there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. But this is not just an issue for us here in the United States. This is an issue for nascent democracies around the world who, as Senator Romney said, look to the United States as an example. We are the shining city on the hill. We give those struggling under oppression hope for a better future. Now, like so many of us in this chamber, I've traveled to developing democracies around the world, to Afghanistan and Iraq, to the Western Balkans, to Africa, to the country of Georgia. I went there with my colleague, Senator Risch. In 2012, we went to Georgia to observe officially, on behalf of the Senate, the election between outgoing President Mikhail Saakashvili and his United National Movement Party, and the challenge by Georgia, Georgian Dream, which was a newly formed party supported and funded by billionaire oligarch Bidzina Ivanishvili. It was a battle for parliament, but also for control of the government. Senator Risch and I visited multiple polling places on election day, and we agreed with the international assessment that that election was free and fair and that Georgian Dream were the winners. But there was real concern in the country that Saakashvili was going to refuse to give up power, that that would lead to violence, it would end the nascent democratic reforms that were happening in that former Soviet Republic. And so Senator Risch and I, the day after the election, went to visit President Saakashvili to try and talk him out of staying in power. And I remember very clearly going to his home. And we sat down with him and we pointed out that the hallmark of a democracy, what he had worked so hard for in his eight years as president of Georgia. The hallmark of that was to turn over power in a peaceful election to the person that the voters chose. Well, President Saakashvili listened to us, and he did leave office peacefully. But it's important that future generations recognize that America, like democracies everywhere, depends on a peaceful transition of power, on believing in what the voters say and in ensuring that happens. Unfortunately, we've heard from some senators today who have been enabling President Trump's willful disregard of the votes of our citizenry even as they speak out against foreign leaders who ignore their own people. They will fail and history will remember them. And I hope that future generations will view the actions of some of those folks today as little more than an unfortunate anomaly. Future opportunities 
may use this ill-fated effort to seek short-term political gain over the long-term stability of our republic. But for the sake of our great country and America's standing in the world, I ask my colleagues today to fully endorse the results of the free and fair election and set aside this partisan attempt to subvert the will of the people. We should be venerating the peaceful transition of power even if our own preferred candidate didn't win. That is, after all, who we are in the United States of America. Thank you, Mr. President. Majority Leader. Mr. President, I yield uh, up to five minutes to the Senator from Ohio, Senator Portman. Senator from Ohio. Mr. Vice President, you have fulfilled your duties as President of the Senate tonight with distinction, and we all appreciate it. I I thought about changing my mind and not speaking tonight, given the lateness of the hour, and I know all of my colleagues would have appreciated that greatly, uh, but I felt it was necessary to speak because I want the American people, particularly my constituents in Ohio, to see that we will not be intimidated, that we will not be disrupted from our work, that here in the citadel of democracy, we will continue to do the work of the people. Mob rule is not going to prevail here. Now, let's face it, we did not reclaim this chamber tonight. Brave and selfless law enforcement officers stood in the breach and ensured that the citadel of democracy would be protected and that we would be defended. And we are deeply grateful for that, as is the nation. I've listened carefully to the comments of my colleagues and I've listened over the past couple of weeks as this issue has been discussed. And I tell you, for me, it's not a hard decision. I stand with the Constitution. I stand with what the Constitution makes clear. The people and the states hold the power here, not us. My oath to the Constitution and my reverence for our democratic principles make it easy for me to confirm these state certifications. By the way, I pose this process some 15 years ago when some Democrats chose to object to the electors from my home state of Ohio after the 2004 elections. I opposed it then and I oppose it now. I said at the time, Congress must not thwart the will of the people. That's what we would be doing. Let's assume for a moment that those who object to the certifications are right that the Constitution intended that a bare majority of members of Congress could circumvent the states that have chosen to certify the popular votes of their own state citizens. I ask the objectors to think about the precedent that would be set if we were to do that. What if the majority in the House and the Senate was of the other party when a presidential candidate of our party came through a close presidential election? Would you want a Congress controlled by the Democrats to play the role you now intend for us? It is asking Congress to substitute its judgment for the judgment of the voters. And its judgment 
for the judgment of the states that certified the results. And even forgetting the dangerous precedent that would be set, what would be the basis for objecting in this election? Look, I voted for President Trump. I supported him because I believe the Trump administration's policies are better for Ohio and for the country. And I supported the Trump campaign's right to pursue recounts. They had every right to do it. And legal challenges. I agree that there were instances of fraud and irregularities in the 2020 elections. I think we all do. And by the way, there is fraud and irregularities in every presidential election. But it is also true that after two months of recounts and legal challenges, not a single state recount changed the result. And of the dozens of lawsuits filed, not one found evidence of fraud or irregularities widespread enough to change the result of the election. This was the finding of numerous Republican-appointed judges and the Trump administration's own Department of Justice. Every state has now weighed in and chosen to certify its electoral slate based on the popular vote as set out in the Constitution. I understand that many Americans who would never storm this Capitol don't trust the integrity of the 2020 election, don't think the states should have certified, don't think we should have accepted the results from the states and are insisting on more transparency and accountability. In the 2016 elections, lest we forget, many Democrats objected to the results and distrusted the election. I challenge my colleagues on both sides of the aisle to listen, but also to do our part to try to restore faith in our elections. Mr. President, we should all work to improve the integrity of the electoral system and the confidence of the American people in this bedrock of our great democratic republic. Today I'll do my constitutional duty and oppose these efforts to reject the state certified results. And tomorrow, in the wake of this attack on the Capitol, the pandemic that engulfs us and other national challenges, let's work together. And the smell for the of people. death. Yield back. That's how our journey to D6 began. Democratic leader. But our goal seemed closer now. That's correct, Leader. Mr. President. Senator from Maine. Mr. President, Winston Churchill once said that he could do a two-hour speech extemporaneously, but a ten-minute speech took immense preparation. I don't know what he would have said about a four-minute speech. We are a 240-year anomaly in world history. We think that what we have here in this country is the way it's always been. It is a very unusual form of government. The normal form of government throughout world history is dictators, kings, czars, pharaohs, warlords, tyrants. We thought 20 years ago the march of history was toward democracy, but it is in retreat in Hungary and Turkey, goodness knows in Russia. 
Democracy as we have practiced it is fragile. It's fragile and it rests upon trust. It rests upon trust in facts. It rests upon trust in courts, in public officials, and yes, in elections. I don't sympathize or justify or in any way, in any way support, that's a mild, that's putting it mildly, what happened here today, but I understand it. I understand it because I saw those people interviewed today and they said, we're here because this election has been stolen. And the reason they said that is that their leader has been telling them that every day for two months. We cannot afford to pull bricks out from the foundation of trust that underlines, underlies our entire system. And I agree with Governor Romney that the answer to this problem is to tell people the truth, is to tell them what happened. It's easy to confront your opponents. It's hard to confront your friends. It's hard to tell your supporters something they don't want to hear. But that's our obligation. That's why the word leader is applied to jobs like that. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be something that we take on as a sacred obligation. And if people believe something that isn't true, it's our obligation to tell them, no, I'm sorry it isn't. Just as Senator Portman just said, as Mike Lee just said, I'm sorry, we can't do this here. We don't want to do this here. This is a power reserved to the states, not to the Congress. And I agree with the majority leader. I think this is one of the most important votes any of us will ever take. On December 1st, 1862, Abraham Lincoln came to this building. He came to this building in the darkest days of the Civil War. He was trying to awaken the Congress to the crisis that we were facing. And he didn't feel that they were fully and effectively engaged. He ended his speech that day with words that I think have an eerie relevance tonight. Here's what Abraham Lincoln said. Fellow Americans, we cannot escape history. We of this Congress and this administration will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or another of us. And here's his final words. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down in honor or dishonor to the latest generation. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down in honor or dishonor to the latest generation. Mr. President. Thank you.
Well, thank you, Mr. President. The mob violence and attack we saw on our capital today should be a wake-up call to each and every one of us of what happens when we fail to come together, not as Democrats and Republicans, but each of us as Americans, to stand up to a president who time and again has shown contempt for our democracy, contempt for our Constitution. Today here on the Capitol, we witnessed people taking down an American flag and putting up a Trump flag. That is not democracy in the United States of America. As every senator who has spoken has mentioned, we have for hundreds of years had a peaceful transfer of power. Okay, Nobody likes together. to lose, and supporters of the losing candidate are always okay, disappointed. What's different this time? We all know what's different what's this time. We had a president who, as the senator from New Jersey said, even before a vote was cast, that if he didn't win the election, it was going to be a fraud. And every day since then has perpetrated that lie. We have a president who just today <laughs> criticized very loyal vice president who is presiding right now, urging him to disregard his responsibilities under the Constitution of the United States in order to reinstall Donald Trump as president. The same person who got on the phone to the Secretary of State in Georgia and threatened him to change the results of the election. Mr. President, I read something this week I never thought I'd read in a newspaper in the United States of America. It was an op-ed by all the living former secretaries of defense, including Secretaries Rumsfeld, Cheney, and Mattis, warning, warning the country about our tradition of peaceful transfer of power and that would be inappropriate for the military to take sides. In the United States of America, we talk to the world about how we want to promote democracy and our values, and right here at home, too many are undermining those values. And Mr. President, Donald Trump could not do this alone. He can only do it if he's aided and abetted by individuals who are willing to perpetrate those lies and those conspiracies. And that is why it is so important that we as Democrats and Republicans and senators stand up together. Stand up together and tell the truth. You know, when you go into a court of law like those 60 cases, you're testifying under penalty of perjury. That's very different than here in the House and the Senate. And in all those 60 cases under penalty of perjury, there was no evidence of widespread fraud. So it should be easy for us all together to tell the truth. On January 20th, Joe Biden will be sworn in as the next president of the United States. He has said he wants to bring the country together. He has said he wants to bring Democrats and Republicans together to do some of the pressing 
business of this country, to defeat this pandemic, to get the economy going again, to face challenging issues of racial and social justice. I hope we will learn from what happened today, the mob attack on this Capitol, the price we pay when we don't stand up for the truth and for democracy. James McHenry, Maryland's delegate to the Constitutional Convention, wrote about a famous exchange in his diaries between Elizabeth Willing Powell and Benjamin Franklin. Wrote, a lady asked Dr. Franklin, well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? A republic, replied Dr. Franklin, if you can keep it. My colleagues, this is a test of whether we're united to keep our republic. I hope we will pass the test together. Thank you. Majority Leader. Uh, Mr. President, I yield up to five minutes to the Senator from South Carolina, Senator Graham. Senator from South Carolina. Many times uh, my state has been the problem. I love it. It's where I want to die, but no time soon. Tim and I uh, have a, a good relationship. I, I love Tim Scott. 1876, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Florida sent two slave electors. They had two governors, and we didn't know what to do. Why did South Carolina, Florida, and Louisiana do it? To hold the country hostage to end Reconstruction. It worked. The commission was eight to seven. It didn't work. Nobody accepted it. The way it ended is when eight did a deal for these three states. You give me the electors, I'll get the Union Army out. The rest is history. It led to Jim Crow. If you're looking for historical guidance, this is not the one to pick. If you're looking for a way to convince people there was no fraud, having a commission chosen by Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, and John Roberts is not going to get you to where you want to go. It ain't going to work. So it's not going to do any good. It's going to delay, and it gives credibility to a dark chapter of our history. That's why I'm not with you. And I will fight for my other people have objected. I just think it's a uniquely bad idea to delay this election. Uh, Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it being this way. Oh my God, I hate it. My point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see. All I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. I've tried to be helpful. But when the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled four to three that they didn't violate the Supreme, uh, the Constitution of Wisconsin, I agree with the three, but I accept the four. If Al Gore can accept five four, he's not president. I can accept Wisconsin four to three. Pennsylvania, you went to the Second Circuit. So much for all the judges being in Trump's pocket. They said, no, you're wrong. I accept Right. Georgia, they said the Secretary of State took the law in his own hands. He changed the election laws unlawfully. The federal judge said no. I accept the federal judge even though I don't agree with it. 
fraud. They said there's 66,000 people in Georgia under 18 voted. How many people believe that? I asked, give me 10, and they had one. They said 8,000 felons in prison in Arizona voted. Give me 10, not one. Does that say there's, there's problems in every election? I don't buy this. Enough's enough. We got to end it. Vice President Pence, what they're asking you to do, you won't do because you can't. Talk about interesting times. I associate myself with Rand Paul. How many times will you hear that? The mob has done something nobody else could do to get me and Rand to agree. Rand is right. If you're a conservative, this is the most offensive concept in the world that a single person could disenfranchise 155 million people. The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and the House of Representatives, open all certificates and the vote shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president. Where in there does it say Mike can say, I don't like the results. I want to send them back to the states. I believe there was fraud. To the conservatives who believe in the Constitution, now is your chance to stand up and be counted. Originalism, count me in. It means what it says. So, Mike, Mr. Vice President, just hang in there. They, they said we can count on Mike. All of us can count on the Vice President. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to do the constitutional thing. You got a son who flies F-35s. You got a son-in-law who flies F-18s. They're out there flying so that we can get it right here. There are people dying my good friends in Illinois to make sure we have a chance to argue among ourselves. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. The final thing, Joe Biden. I've traveled the world with Joe. I hoped he lost. I prayed he would lose. He won. He's the legitimate president of the United States. I cannot convince people, certain groups, by my words, but I will tell you by my actions, that maybe I, among any, above all others in this body, need to say this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are lawfully elected and will become the president and the vice president of the United States on January 20th. Majority Leader. Mr. President, I yield back the balance of our time. All time has expired. The question is, shall the objections submitted by the gentleman from Arizona, Mr. Gozar, and the senator from Texas, Mr. Cruz, and others be sustained? Is there a second? Is there a line? Clerk will call the roll. Ms. Baldwin. No. The goddamn beast. Mr. Barrasso. Okay, there's a parking station ahead in the Mr. Bennett. Will you to open the door? Mrs. Blackburn. Okay. Mr. Blumenthal. No. Mr. Blunt. No. Mr. Booker. Just a little more.
Mr. Bozeman. Mr. Braun. Mr. Brown. Yes, Mr. Burr. Ms. Cantwell. Mrs. Capito. Mr. Carden. Mr. Carper. Mr. Casey. Mr. Cassidy. Ms. Collins. Mr. Coons. All clear. Let's move. Mr. Cornyn. Ms. Cortez Masto. Mr. Cotton. I'll check it out. Careful, man. Mr. Kramer. Mr. Crapo. Mr. Cruz. Mr. Danes. Ms. Duckworth. Mr. Durbin. Ms. Ernst. Mrs. Feinstein. Mrs. Fisher. Mrs. Gillibrand. Mr. Graham. Mr. Grassley. Mr. Haggerty. Ms. Harris. Ms. Hassett. Mr. Holy. Mr. Heinrich. Mr. Hickenlooper. Ms. Hirono. No. Mr. Hoven. Mrs. Hyde Smith. Mr. Inhofe. Mr. Johnson. Mr. Payne. Klobuchar, Mr. Lankford, Mr. Leahy, Mr. Lee, Mrs. Leffler, Mr. Lujan, Ms. Lummis, Mr. Manchin. This is the door leading to DC. Mr. Markey. Uh, looks like it. Mr. Marshall. Mr. McConnell. It's locked. Mr. Menendez. I'm not surprised. Mr. Merkley. Looks like a blast door. Mr. Moran. Ms. Murkowski. Mr. Murphy. Mrs. Murray. 
Mr. Paul. Mr. Peters. Mr. Portman. Mr. Reed. Mr. Risch. Mr. Romney. Ms. Rosen. Mr. Rounds. Mr. Rubio. Mr. Sanders. Mr. Sass. Mr. Schatz. Mr. Schumer. Mr. Scott of Florida. Mr. Scott of South Carolina. Mrs. Shaheen. Mr. Shelby. Ms. Cinema. Ms. Smith. Ms. Stabenow. Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Tester. Mr. Thune. Mr. Tillis. Mr. Toomey. Mr. Van Hollen, Mr. Warner, Ms. Warren, Mr. Whitehouse, Mr. Wicker, Mr. Wyden, Mr. Young.
On this vote, the yeas are six, the nays are 93. The objection is not sustained. The Secretary will notify the House of the action of the Senate, informing that body that the Senate is now ready to proceed to joint session with further counting of the electoral vote for President Somehow and Vice I President. Somehow I feeling about this. Majority Leader. Mr. President. So, colleagues, here's where we are. Uh, we have a few more speakers now. All clear. As we wait for the House to finish no their debate way. and Never vote, we expect the House to finish voting on Arizona between 11.30 and midnight. I ask unanimous consent the Senate be in a period of morning business with the following senators permitted to speak therein for up to five minutes each. Senator Toomey, Senator Rubio, oh, Senator Collins. Six. And on our side, Senators White, Corona, and Finally, following their remarks, the Senate stand in recess. We were close to, to day six now. It was hard to believe that we'd found the legendary command center. But was it worth so many lives? Soon, we would know the answer. The Senate would be in a period of morning business with the following senators permitted to speak therein for up to five minutes each. Toomey, Rubio, Collins. Widen her own Without objection. Many will. This isn't yours, right? So we're in recent. That many of our tribal, rural, and underserved communities voted in record numbers, all during a pandemic. In 2020, Arizona's made their voices heard. The fact is, multiple federal, state judges, agencies, state elected officials concluded the winner was Joe Biden. In Arizona, this process was administered and overseen by officials from both parties. Elections officials conducted random, hand-counted audits of many precincts that confirmed there were no errors that would change the result of the election. The fact is that the Republican chairman of Maricopa County, the largest Republican county in the state, the biggest population county, he stated more than two million ballots were cast and there was no evidence of fraud or misconduct or malfunction. He concluded, no matter how you voted, 
This election was administered with integrity, transparency, and in accordance with state laws. The fact is, the president and his campaign and several Republican-led groups filed eight election lawsuits, all of which were dismissed. The Arizona Supreme Court, a body where all justices have been appointed by Republican governors, unanimously dismissed the case. Justices found that the party had failed to present any evidence of misconduct or illegal votes, let alone establish any degree of fraud or a significant error rate that would undermine the certainty of the election results. After these judicial rulings, I, the governor said, I trust our election system. There's integrity in our election system. The fact is Joe Biden is the certified winner of Arizona's 11 electoral votes. Arizona's elected and appointed officials from both parties followed the facts and came to this conclusion. I urge my colleagues to do the same. My colleagues across the aisle, I know we may disagree on who we want as president, but what we personally want is not what matters here. Rather, the people's influence, as reflected in the certified electoral college results, is what matters. Facts matter. Undermining faith in our election process by attempting to mislead the American public only serves to weaken us and make us vulnerable to foreign, foreign actors who would do us harm. For the good of our country, this must stop. Now is the time to come together to preserve our democracy and to protect our national security. I know my constituents are looking to Congress to move past its division find common ground, and pass legislation to improve the lives of struggling families. We must say, stay focused on fighting the pandemic. We must work to ensure all Americans can be vaccinated as soon as possible so we can save American lives, safety, re safely reopen schools, get people back to work, and visit loved ones again. I urge my colleagues to follow this, and Madam Speaker, I yield. Gentlemen's time has expired. What purpose does the gentleman from Florida seek recognition? Madam Speaker, I rise to claim time in support of the objection. Gentleman is recognized for five minutes without objection. Madam Speaker, one of the first things we did when the House convened today was to join together to extend our grace and our kindness and our concern for a colleague who has experienced just an insurmountable amount of grief with his family. And I want all of our fellow Americans watching to know that we did that because we care about each other and we don't want bad things to happen to each other. And our heart hurts when they do. Now I'm sure there are plenty of folks over there who don't like me too much and there are a few of you that I don't care for too much. But if anybody had been hurt today, it would have been even more of a catastrophe than we already yeah, saw. Cool. I think that's an important like point for the country. Another important point for the country is that this morning, President Trump explicitly called for demonstrations and protests to be peaceful. He was far more, you can moan and groan, but he was far more explicit about his calls for peace than some of the BLM and left-wing rioters were this summer when we saw violence sweep across this nation. Now, we came here today to debate, to follow regular order, to offer an objection, to follow a process 
that is expressly contemplated in our Constitution. And for doing that, we got called a bunch of seditious traitors. Now, not since 1985 has a Republican president been sworn in, absent some Democrat effort, to object to the electors. But when we do it, it is the new violation of all norms. And when those things are said, people get angry. Now, I know there are many countries where political violence may be necessary, but America is not one such country. Madam Speaker, it was wrong when people vandalized in the face of your home. It was wrong when thugs went to Senator Hawley's home. And I don't know if the reports are true, but the Washington Times has just reported some pretty compelling evidence from a facial recognition company showing that some of the people who breached the Capitol today were not Trump supporters. They were masquerading as Trump supporters and, in fact, were members of the violent terrorist group Antifa. Now, we should seek to build America up, not tear her down and destroy her. And I'm sure glad that at least for one day, I can hear my Democrat colleagues calling to defund the police. Now, I appreciate all the talk. Now, I appreciate all the talk of coming together, but let us not pretend that our colleagues on the left have been free of some anti-democratic impulses just because we signed on to legal briefs and asked courts to resolve disputes. There were some on the left who said that we should not even be seated in the body, that we ought to be prosecuted, maybe even jailed. Those arguments anger people, but people do understand the concepts of basic fairness. And no competition, contest, or election can be deemed fair if the participants are subject to different rules. Baseball teams that cheat and steal signs should be stripped of their championships. Russian Olympians who cheat and use steroids should be stripped of their medals, and states that do not run clean elections should be stripped of their electors. This fraud was systemic. It was repeated. It was the same system, and I dare say it was effective. We saw circumstances where when Democrat operatives couldn't get the outcomes they wanted in state legislators, when they couldn't get the job done there, they went and pressured and litigated and usurped the Constitution with extra constitutional action of some officials in some states. They fraudulently la laundered ballots, votes, voter registration forms, and then they limited review. In 2016, Democrats found out that they could defeat Donald Trump at the ballot box with voters who actually show up, so they turned to impeachment and the witness box. And when that failed, they ran to the mailbox, where this election saw an unprecedented amount of votes that could not be authenticated with true ID, with true signature match, and with true confidence for the American people. Our Article Three courts have failed by not holding evidentiary hearings to weigh the evidence. We should not join in that fa failure. We should vindicate the rights of states. We should vindicate the subpoenas in Arizona that have been issued to get a hold of these voting machines, and we should reject these electors. I yield back. The gentleman's time has expired. For what purpose is the gentlewoman from Colorado seek recognition? in opposition to the objection.
objection to recognize for five minutes. Madam Speaker, I'm very pleased to yield my time to the Dean of the Arizona delegation, Mr. Grijalva. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Thank you, the lady from Colorado, for yielding time. I'll be very brief, Madam Speaker. There's really nothing left to say. This challenge brought by uh, members of uh, this House, Republican members from this House from Arizona, and a senator from Texas. Uh, the whole discussion today is challenge to the electoral, 11 electoral votes that are designated for President Biden and Vice President Harris. Change of plans. You stay discussion today if anything happens, I will send that to you. Good luck to us all. electoral votes. There's no legal standing. The courts have proven that in Arizona time and time again. There is no precedent. There is no constitutional violation. But we're here today, Madam Speaker, because of, the, uh, because of one man and those who uh, are desperate to please him. So what do we have to show for this process today? Fear, a lockdown, violence, and regrettably and sadly death, arrests, present and real danger, threats, and assault on our institution, this house, this Congress, and the very democracy that we practice here. The lift is over there, but the door is And to what end? Okay, we'll have what to go around. Advance carefully. We'll cover the reality other. is that the, the challenger will be defeated on January 20th. President Biden and President Harris will be the president of Vice President. To further divide this nation, continue to fan the same rhetoric of and us versus them, to paralyze and dismantle our democracy? Is that what we've attempted to accomplish today? The mob that attacked this institution, I hold no member specifically responsible for that madness that was around me. Okay, we'll but we have share to go responsibility around. Advance carefully. To end it. We'll cover each other. It's past time to accept reality, to reaffirm our democracy, and move on. I would urge my colleagues from Arizona who filed this challenge to withdraw their challenge to this, to Arizona and to the electors that have been chosen. To, to give their 11 votes to the winners in that election. But if that doesn't happen, then I would urge my colleagues to reject this challenge and uh, defend all voters, defend the voters of Arizona, and that democracy that we practice daily in the representation of our and with that, I yield back to the gentlelady from Colorado and, and thank her for the time. I thank the gentleman. Madam Speaker, on Sunday, every member in this chamber took an oath to uphold the Constitution. And there's only one vote tonight for those who took that oath.
And that vote is to reject this challenge. I yield back. All the time for debate has expired. The question is, shall the objection to the Arizona Electoral College vote count submitted by the gentleman from Arizona, Mr. Gozar, and the senator from Texas, Mr. Cruz, be agreed to? Those in favor say aye. Those opposed, no. Opinion of the chair, the noes have it. Speaker. For what purpose does the gentleman Ask. from Ohio seek recognition? We would ask for a roll call. The yeas and nays have been requested pursuant to section 3S of House okay, Resolution 8. The yeas and nays are ordered. Members will record their votes by electronic device and are to, reminded to vote when their group is called.
even tonight, my heritage and future in which all is here. Though this will be, we rule the earth once more. We will have to live like rats. Yes, with sword and fire, we win back the sky and the sun. We climb down to the dirt. And in the cities, the metro tunnels will once again be filled with fire, so that burns everything. We will
Yes. Which one? Well, the hurdy gurdy.
going on?
Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-